The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a and b with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Riverfront Bingle Show. That would make this number one. I am Nate Dotson, and I'm really here just in support of the man beside me on your screen and taking up prime real estate in all of our hearts, Joe Farfsing. How the heck are you, Joe? I am excited for the season to start and ready to rock and roll, man. How are you doing? Man, I am great. This is uh, yeah, a fun time to be a Cincinnati sports fan and usually when we are together that is not always the case so uh just a quick aside before we get underway you know when Chad approached me about joining him on his podcast and doing a full rebrand as the Riverfront we talked a lot about finding ways to appeal to the broader Cincinnati community not just our first love those rascally reds well this is the next step on that journey it's a weekly podcast focused solely on all things Bengals my pronunciation will fluctuate and hopefully improve throughout the season and Chad and I, while certainly big NFL fans, aren't quite equipped with the analytical chops to take on the show ourselves. And we knew we needed a ringer and Cincinnati local. So that's why we recruited the man beside me here, Joe. Joe's going to be offering a detailed analytical view of the squad as we look each week at the game results, injury updates, position battles, and of course the week ahead. Uh, during this time, Chad and I are going to sort of take on the role of longtime NFL fan with a renewed passion for the beloved Cincinnati Bengals. And yeah, so if you're confused as to why this orange and black icon popped up in your podcast library feed, there it is. The Riverfront Red Show will be out every Friday morning, just like always. And if you don't care about the Bengals, well, don't listen. We know some people do. And for the rest of you, thanks for being here. Thanks for your patience as this thing evolves. And as always, hit us up in the comments with feedback on what you think works, what doesn't, and what you might want to see in the future. And most importantly, like where the best happy hour in Cincinnati is, because... Those are the things I need to know. So, yeah, without further ado, Joe, you want to you talk some football? I am ready to go. Let's do it, man. So the final roster has been set. You know, we've got the, the game coming up on Sunday. Uh, PFF had Cincinnati ranked as the seventh best overall roster in the league, which I thought was interesting. Did you have uh, you know any surprises, anything that stuck out to you with the final roster? The only thing that was really surprised, I think, to anybody was the punter, and that's mild surprise of that because all things going well, the Bengals aren't going to be punting much uh, with the high-powered offense and a kicker with a cannon of a leg. You know, it's, it, it, if that's the only major uh, 
major surprises. Rust, you know, as roster with uh, Chrisman getting the nod or uh, Huber getting the nod over Chrisman, excuse me, you know, then I think they're doing pretty well. Um, I think Chrisman kicked out, kicked him in mm-hmm. camp. Um, his uh, numbers were, you know, uh, at averaging a couple yards longer. I don't know if it was something about the hang time, things that were in camp that we couldn't see, out kicking the coverage, not getting down. I don't know, but they stuck with Huber, the old hand. So at least, you know, you're going to have a, someone that's reliable to, um, on holds and, you know, he's, he's not going to screw up. He might shank one here or there, but he's not going to fumble a punt. He's not going to fumble a hold. He's going to have every, you know, everything's going to be riding up right for McPherson. So, yeah, I was kind of hearing that maybe the holds had more to do with it than, uh, you know, than I thought. So I was, I wasn't sure. I know that, um, you know, he's a hometown boy. So we like that. I wonder if it shows a lack of faith that they kept Chrisman around on the practice squad. Do you read anything into that or is it just depth for depth's sake? I think it's short leash. I mean, you can always, if you need a punter on short notice, I mean, if he, you know, gets hurt or something, you can find someone so that they're keeping him around means that they like him and they think that there's, you know, if not this year, then this would definitely be Huber's last year. Um, I hope the Bengals didn't keep Huber around just so he could set the record for most games played in the Bengals roster or Bengals uniform. He's tied right now with Ken Riley, but outside of that, Hey, he played with my cousin. My cousin was his long snapper at UC. So good for him. There you go. Speaking of long snappers, I think Clark Harris is nipping on his heels for that record for most appearances. So uh, four games behind, five games behind. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. He was going to need to stick around a little bit. Um, Anything else that jumped out to you? Um, I mean, we we have to bring up the left guard, you know, Volson, wins that job. He's a right guard in college there for North Dakota State. What happened to Carmen? He sucked. That'll do it. That will usually I, I, do it. I, I, it was, I, I want to say maybe 50% Volson winning the job, 50% Carmen losing the job. Uh, the things that he was supposed to, uh, Jackson was supposed to work on in the offseason, conditioning and just being more mature, learning how to be a pro. These are things that didn't come out. His uh, And then his, his playing uh, his play on the field was just awful, just missing assignments and just allowing free runners. And they, they don't have, you know, they, they have other choices. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut at some point, like it's totally cut from the roster at some point during the season. So. Yeah, that wouldn't blow my mind either. I see that they're kind of preparing for that eventual outcome. Um I saw one little uh, write-up about him, and the description they used was not a good pass blocker. That's it's not, it's not a very good quality for, for a guard. That's great if he wants to be a fullback. But, yeah, if, if you're going to be a left guard and you're facing guys, especially in uh, uh, right off the back, they're facing Cam Hayward, who's probably the best, second-best interior pass rusher in the NFL after, uh, after Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald ate the Bengals' lunch in the Super Bowl. So if you can't pass block – and you're in the interior part of the line, and that, you know, you can't have that push coming up your face, so. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, what else should we talk about there? Cornerback um, Cam Taylor-Britt to the IR. How big of a deal do you think that is? I mean, they had, they had hopes that he would unseat Eli Apple, and, you know, hopefully he'll be back in a few weeks, but I want to get your read on that. Realistically, I think in the, in the short term, it's not a huge deal. Um I think him actually taking the job uh, from Apple was more of a pipe dream. Uh, p- people say, you know, say the one about Apple. Uh, he actually had a decent season last year. I, I'm not sure what his um, the actual passing efficiency numbers given up were. Actually, was one of the best. Uh, his grades and PFF aren't great, but he's also your number. You know, he's also your number two corner. So if, if 
you can get what you got from him last year over the first month. Taylor Brick can get healthy and work his way back in. And then if they're both playing well, awesome. But it, you know, it, it just pushes it back a couple weeks. Now, it if somebody gets hurt, if Cheeto or if Apple or Hilton get hurt, then you're stretching the depth because you've got you're lacking a second round pick who you're counting on for depth. But for the first few weeks, first month, I it's I don't think it's a huge deal. Hopefully, you know, he's recovering well and then from the core surgery. So yeah. yeah. I think they've got him projected to come back mid October. Hopefully he gets the uh, you know the, the quicker end of that timeline. Yeah. Um, what do you think the weak spots are on the roster as it's currently constructed? Still offensive line depth. Um, it's better now that the guys replace. You know, the if there's an injury, the guys that will be coming in were the guys that played last year that they have experience, but those guys are brutal. So yeah, it's nice yeah. to have someone experienced like Akeem Energy or Carmen or Isaiah Prince, but when they're a revolving door, you know, that says a lot right there. Um, now, granted, there are 30 teams in the league that have offensive line depth. I don't know if you've watched, you know, any game tackles in this league, like guard or uh, offensive line play is just terrible all around, even the starters. So having offensive line depth issues isn't unique to the Bengals. Um, That's true. Another, another place where I worry about depth is tight end. They have one pass catching option in Hayden Hurst. Um, Drew Sample, uh, he's nothing more than a pass blocker. Um, guy that uh, guy that brought in off of waivers, and I can't remember his name. Uh, he's another just just a pass blocker. I mean, he's the exact same size. He's an inline tight end. Not, not going to expect anything from him. Uh, if Hurst gets hurt, they're going to have to go out and find someone. I don't even think they've got that guy on the um, practice squad. They let uh, Thad Moscow, who mm-hmm. can't say he earned the job anyway, but um, not a lot of depth there if anything happens to Hurst. Yeah, and similar to what you were saying about offensive line play, I mean, tight end is only a position of luxury for about four teams in the entire NFL. So you hope you can't get hurt, but I don't think you're uh, you're worried about the season going down the down the drain. Something does happen, but I think he could. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst could have a really nice year. I think he's one of those sort of sneaky guys that, in the very very limited time that he's had a chance, he's played really really well. He's yeah. just always, except for one season, been behind really good guys. Yeah. And then with yeah, offensive, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say that I honestly, I, Hurst is a better, more dynamic pass catcher and route runner than Uzama was. Mm-hmm. Um, Uzama was a more well-rounded. I mean, he's a good pass catcher, but he was also a good um, inline blocker. Whereas Hurst, I mean, he's he's a guy who's going to stretch the field, you know, a lot of seam routes and everything, and he's going to open up the middle of the field. So I think he's got a chance to have a huge season. There's only one ball to go around. And you've got three stud wide receivers, but. True. You know, you feature him down the middle, that's going to open things up, you know, on the outside if they have to move the safety to cover him, you know. So it's only going to make this yeah. offense more deadly. All right. You're looking at him as a, as a fourth or fifth pass yeah. catching option, and that's not a bad position to be in. Uh, back to the line for a minute. Um, one of the those waiver claims, I mean, first off, the Bengals getting three waiver claims through is kind of, kind of nuts considering they have the next to last, you know, best shot at getting these guys. But I thought that Max Sharping claim from the Texans – who seemed pretty upset to lose him was a sneaky or potentially really, really good pickup. This guy's not a world beater, but he is a very experienced vet who plays meaningful snaps. And anytime the team that has to lose him is sad, I think that's a pretty good sign for your, for your club. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah. I mean, he's got 1300 steps experience at left guard, which is where you'd be looking at, not counting injuries, but I mean, Volson is the 
one unknown quantity on the offensive line. And if he struggles or whatever, he's got a lot of experience playing there. He's got about almost a full season and a half experience playing on left guard. He's also played right guard as well. Um, that, that's the reason why I, he's the reason I, uh, that I think Carmen might not be long for the Bengals roster. Um, if he gets himself up to speed with the playbook and everything, you have someone who two years can't get with the program, get him out. You know, he's not going to go to the practice squad, you know, so I think sharpening, you know, sharpening definitely helps for the depth. So. Yeah. I think that that's a good thing. Um, any other weaknesses you think we should point out? Uh, the only one is, again, this is a problem for probably 30 other teams in the league, but uh, backup quarterback, I I'm not a huge Brandon Allen fan. Um, he's fine, I guess. The, one of the main reasons that they talk about why he's there is because of his comfort with Burrow, and that's yeah. that is a large part of being a backup quarterback. When there's no controversy, when you've got a clear cut number one, you want a number two that is almost another coach out there. That you know, that someone who's got the quarterback's ear, someone who you know he's going to provide honest feedback, and that's what he provides. Awesome, but I have my reservations. And he's you know, two years ago he played you know poorly you know when uh, burrow was out and i think he was clearly outplayed in the uh, preseason by uh jake brownie uh they kept him on practice squad and i can see at the uh, latter point of the season uh Browning getting elevated to uh, uh the active roster and maybe alan getting bumped down a spot because he's got yeah, more, was... more intangibles and, and i mean he he ran the offense like he knew what he was doing again backups versus backups but he got to play uh, first week, Allen got knocked out with a concussion in the first quarter, and he got to play against some of the ones. Um, mm-hmm. um, Giants were playing some ones out there. So, yeah, I was glad you brought that up about the relationship with him and Burrow because um, I kept hearing about that, and I just I didn't understand it. Like, it's like there must be something really special there if you're keeping your backup quarterback because he's got a good relationship with the starter, and the other guy seems to clearly be more talented to me. Well. Obviously, you know, Burrow probably has a lot of say-so in, uh, you know, some of these positions, how it's constructed, he should. So if he has something to say about it, then, you know, that's going to carry some weight, I would imagine. Definitely. And those Cardinals, not the Giants, the first game, sorry. Right. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm used to these Reds podcasts. We've talked about the weaknesses. I'm used to talking about negative things. Let's, let's, let's go to some more positive stuff. What do you think are the biggest strengths for this squad going into the 2022 season? Uh, one of the biggest strengths in the entire league is number nine, Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, he's top three, four, five quarterback in the in the game, I, and and he's still ascending. I mean, this is a guy who still hasn't had a normal off season training. I mean, comes in during the middle of COVID, where there's no in person meetings or camp. Uh, second off season, he's rehabbing from a you know horrendous knee surgery, and this year he's all set right before camp. Boom, his his, expen- his appendix explodes. So he's out for the first several weeks of that. Now he's back up to speed and everything, and I and I fully expect him to have a good year. I mean, they're fantastic year. Um, yeah, that right there. I mean, if you have that guy, it doesn't matter what else you have elsewhere. You've got a hell of a start. Yeah, I was uh, reading the excerpts of some of his interviews today. I think it was, and just listen to this guy talk. He seems like he's been in the league for ten years already. Talking about how game to game, he's going to know about a quarter in. <laughs> which version of himself he needs to be. Yeah. I thought that was, you know, a lot of these things that you hear about Peyton Manning, the way he would adapt, you know, in game all the time. I think you get a lot of that in Joe Burrow. And he doesn't seem to care about anything, any personal accolades. The guy just wants to win. And he wants to do it. Being one of the coolest dudes 
when was the last time Cincinnati had somebody that had a had an approval rating and a Q rating quite like Joe Burrow? I honestly I don't think they ever did. I mean, Chad Johnson was somewhat cool for a while. I mean, we, our love for Joey Votto is, you know, pretty much unmatched. But he's baseball is more of a regional sport, so you don't, you know, even those superstars are, you know, they're still they don't have the huge nationwide appeal unless you're Derek Jeter. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's that guy. I mean, he's going to be that guy nationally in um, uh, promotions and everything. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So I mean, it's it, it's awesome having that guy on your team. I mean, it, it it's rare. I mean, these are this is, I mean, he's Tom Brady. He's, you know, yeah. less awkward looking Peyton Manning. <laughs> far, far less awkward looking than any yeah. of the Mannings. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you have the most, arguably the most important position in all sports. Yeah. And I think for the, uh, for the foreseeable future, Cincinnati has a guy who has a chance to be the best in the league at his position. Yeah. For the rest of his career. If, if you know, the Bengals do yeah. what's right. So, yeah, and, and he's – I mean, he's hes going to sign in a huge extension after this coming season. I mean, he's going to be a Bengal until probably for the rest of his career, except maybe, you know, and, unless he decides to go elsewhere for the last couple of years when he's in his late 30s. But, I mean, yeah, you have that guy. He's going to be here his entire career. And that's, you know, never mind the coolness factor. He's just a fantastic player. Guy processes, yeah. processes the game. He's accurate. There's nothing lacking from his game from what you would want from a quarterback. We love you, Joe. You heard it here. Not first, like a thousand, but you heard it here. Um, another big big strength, I think we have to go immediately right next to the people most impacted by Joe Burrow, and that's that's the trio of wide receivers. I mean, I think they're the best trio in the NFL. I don't think that's a very hot take. Um, there's some other decent ones, but, man, like how good are those three? Because T. Higgins would be a number one receiver on two-thirds of the team in the league. Tyler Boyd was a number one for a couple of seasons here when at the latter part of AJ Green's uh, career and when Green was hurt. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you have three number one receivers and they're all, they all have different strength, which is fantastic. You've got Chase, who's just a dynamic guy. You can put him in the slide. You can put him on the outside, on the boundary, on the, you know, you can put him on the short side and, and he can run any route. He can run past you. He can take the underneath stuff. And like you saw against the, um, uh, the Chiefs or the, um, Baltimore take the underneath stuff on a slant or a quick out, make one move, and he's gone. I mean, he just blows past mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, Tyler Boyd, you're not going to find a tougher receiver in the league. He's Mr. Third Down. Um, absolute glue hands, not going to drop anything. He knows if you need eight yards, he's going to get you nine yards. If it, if it's third down and goal and you you know and you throw it to him in the corner of the end zone, he's going to catch that ball. Mm-hmm. He's going to, you know, he's either going to catch it or the defense is going to have to, t- you know, uh, interfere with him beforehand. And then T. Higgins, who might actually be my favorite of the three, not that, you know, Chase is the best, but watching him go and just Randy Moss, folks, just throw the ball up over the top. He's six foot four, strong as all get out, has decent enough speed, and you just throw the ball up and he just jump over top of everyone. He, there was the, um, the second game against Baltimore, he mossed three guys at a time. They, were, they threw the ball downfield and he jumped over three Baltimore Ravens, made the catch. Yeah, supposedly. I think. Mean, they, they didn't review that one. They probably should have, but <laughs> hey, not let the, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right. Um, I think T. Higgins is probably, uh, in, my, in my mind, the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, yeah. which is oh, crazy no. because he is highly rated. Um, if he didn't play with Joe Burrow, um, he'd be getting a lot more, a lot more publicity. Not that I'm saying he wants it or even needs it. Um, but, I'm sorry, Jamar Chase. 
the, the, the stories from camp about Chase, like he had a lot of publicity, a lot of hype coming into this year, understandably so. He went off last year. Um, the best you know, rookie wide receiver season of all time. And everybody started hyping him up to the point where I was getting a little bit worried. I'm like, Let's, can we settle down a little bit? The guy's barely been in the NFL. Let's wait and see. And then the stories start, start coming out that maybe as much hype as he was getting, he may have still been underrated. That every day he's just out there doing things that are blowing people's minds. That the hyperbole is is it's not hyperbolic. It's like he is that guy. And you know, I think he's got that relationship with Burrow. I, I think that this wide receiver trio is something special, and I think it really sets them apart from anybody they're going to play. Just looking ahead at their schedule, I mean, they've got that advantage over everybody, in my opinion, but way, way, way over almost everybody. Oh, definitely. And, and the thing about Chase is he was a rookie. He just You're just going off of natural talent and the playbook. Now he's had an entire offseason to study schemes, to study how to set up all these defensive backs. He's got, you know, he spent a lot of time with uh, guys in the Bengals defensive staff to figure out how are they going to play him? How, you know, how, how is he going to get a clean release? How to, you know, um, and, and how to work better with the defense. Because, I mean, teams, he's not sneaking up on anybody. They're not going to give him a free release and, you know, um, uh, single coverage down, you know, downfield. They're going to uh, send a lot of coverage his way, a lot of uh, too deep zone to keep from, team from going deep. He knows that. Offense knows that. So, okay, so let's go on the next bag. Uh, let's go into your bag of tricks and let's work on the underneath stuff. And he's working on that. He's strong enough to get, you know, to, to fight for the yards um, on slants and underneath and then break freaks. He's got the speed. So, yeah, he's got every skill you need. Yeah, obviously excited about that sequel for him, and then uh, to see what T. Higgins does with defensive having to put, pay all that attention to the other guys. Can't wait. Um, what's another strength in your mind? Uh, defensive backfield. Um, again, with the question mark on um, on Eli Apple and with uh, Taylor Britt coming back from injury, you have Jesse Bates now that he's back, and and and. They said that his first practice back from the not even well not even a holdout, but um, after you know after he signed his franchise tender, uh, Zach Taylor said he didn't even realize that didn't even uh, totally forgot that he was missing for for all those weeks. He stepped right back in. Uh, the communication between him and Von Bell in the back half of the defense just absolutely didn't miss a beat. Um, Von Bell is fantastic. He's in a uh, contract year as well. Um, he's. Everyone remembers the hit that he laid on uh, on Juju Smith Schuster uh, in twenty you know in twenty twenty. That I mean that was the turning point for Zach Taylor. I mean that was he not uh, got the fumble. They won that game, and then you know they finished better in twenty twenty. Set him up for next year. Um, he's fantastic. His actually his coverage uh, numbers went up real well too. He was actually really good in coverage last year too. Now they add in this wild card of Dax Hill, who is. It's funny listening to everything that uh, Zach Taylor, everything the defensive coaching staff has said. They're being extremely coy over what his role is going to be. Um, they've got – he's going to be play a large part in the team's defense. Yeah, he's the third safety, but he's going to be on, he's going to be on the field more than just sub-formations. He's yeah. – um, I can see him being in there in a lot of nickel coverage. He's good enough of a uh, – uh, good enough in man-to-man to play uh, play wide receiver. He can play uh, tight ends. They can drop him down in the box and have him play a little bit of linebacker. He can blitz. He can play anywhere on the field. And, and I can't wait to see how he's deployed. 
Um, and then the forgotten guy is Cheeto. He is he was one of the top five graded cornerbacks last year. Absolutely forgotten about his career in Dallas was only kind of cut short because of injuries. And when he's healthy, he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, uh, you know, about as close as a shutdown corner the Bengals have had since probably Leon Hall in his prime. Uh, and then you've got Mike Hilton in the slot, and he's the best blitzing cornerback in the league. Um, can't forget the uh, pick six that he had against his old, old team Pittsburgh, which was just they were boat racing them already, but that was just the icing on the cake right before halftime that uh, second game. So it's that, that's definitely, you know, they're definitely set up better than most teams in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think outside of maybe you know, the linebacker core leaving a bit to be desired, I think this defense is underrated going into the season. I was just looking through at some of the, you know, the way some of their players grade out and they don't really have a bad player. On that no. defense, they got some people that aren't that aren't world beaters. Sure, I'm not saying they are going to be down as a as a, one of the best defenses of all time or even the league. But I think they are going to be a lot more stout, a lot more reliable than they have been in a long time. And I think they can make might make life a lot easier on that offense. Yeah. Well, you look at what they did the second half of the season into the playoffs. You couldn't run on them. Uh, DJ Reader is probably the best run stuff in defensive tackle in the league. Uh, Sam Hubbard is a freak on the end against the run uh trey hendrickson is stout against the run and then you know they've got other guys to cycle through there bj hill uh, uh he gives some good push up the middle and pass rush he's decent enough against the run josh tupo is a good run defender i mean they're even the linebackers they're not the greatest in coverage but jermaine pratt is a really good run defender uh logan wilson is way underrated you look at some of the grades uh the way that he's graded in some of like pff and others and and, and you kind of scratch your head because you look at all the plays that he makes all over the field and you're like what what are you know what what am I missing? What are they missing? But um, I mean, he's I, I think he's on the verge of maybe making a Pro Bowl this year. He led the team in interceptions last year. He's a great blitzer. Um, he's very cerebral. I mean, he knows what's going on. He'll make sure the team. He's the one. He wears the uh, green dot helmet, making the calls on the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Lou Anaruma makes a lot of changes, a lot of adjustments, half to half, and he's the guy who's out there on the you know out there on the field, making sure that the defense is lined up where they need to be when he's doing you know doing all these crazy concepts. Yeah, I don't think it would surprise anybody if he ended up with the, getting a Pro Bowl nod this year. You're pretty big on that special teams, too. What do you know? What uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, they have Darren Simmons as the coordinator, and that's all you need to know. I mean, he's, <laughs> That's all you need to know. He's been around since March. I mean, this is probably, I think, his 20th season. He was hired. I believe he was uh, brought in when Myron was hired in 2003. Uh, he's had overtures for head coaching jobs. He's had overtures to leave for other special teams coordinating jobs, and he stuck around. Um, they've got Evan McPherson, so you know they're solid with a guy with a cannon of a leg on field goals. Their coverage teams are always fantastic. They still have Stanley Morgan. They still have uh, Mike Thomas, the safety, you know, um, they're un- uncovered. So you know they're going to be well taken care of. Yeah, I love them. And this team is well-rounded. The fact that they are picked by what seems like most people to finish second in the AFC North blows my mind. Yeah. It will not stop blowing my mind that this team, I mean, granted, I don't think many people expected them to make the Super Bowl last year, but they did. And they did it by getting hot in the second half of the season. And then they got better. They just got better yeah. at almost every position. And it's about time we start putting some respect on this name, even if I can't pronounce it correctly half the time. 
B-E, not B-I. Bengals, not Bengals. I'm trying to go no, hard the other way. It's Bengals now. I'm with an A. <laughs> the Bengals. It, it's everybody is assuming that because the Ravens are now healthy that they're better. Oh, okay. I mean, they were a really good team last year when they were healthy, but who's he throwing the ball to? They have Mark Andrews, a couple other tight ends, and Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Super and can you, can you name Bateman. another wide receiver on their team? I, nope. I can only because I heard it on a podcast earlier today. <laughs> well, James Prochet and Devin DuVernay. But, I mean, they had a Hollywood Brown got rid of them. That makes sense for a team that's never been able to have strong wide receivers. They trade away <laughs> their best wide receiver. So, again, they're down to throwing the ball to Mark Edwards – or Mark Andrews, Mark Edwards. Mark Andrews and then having Lamar Jackson run around and hand the ball off a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm the sure the Ravens solid, yeah, I'm sure they'll be yeah, there. They'll yeah, they're gonna be a good team. It's that they're just assuming that they're expecting regression without rationale behind it. That everyone knows. I mean, there's the Super Bowl hangover. The team that loses the Super Bowl doesn't make it back. But there's no statistical reason to that. It's a weird anomaly, but it's not like that. There's no rationale to believe that the Bengals are just going to curl up and just go away because they had one special season. They underachieved. Like you can almost say they underachieved last year. There were several games that they could have won and didn't. I mean, look, look at the Super Bowl. They were, you know, a second and a half away from winning the Super Bowl. They could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge gust of wind doesn't come against Green Bay, and McPherson kicks a game-winning field goal. Um, Taylor, if Taylor had put the ball in Burrow's hands against San Francisco, they'd have won in overtime. Instead, they waited until the you know. Waited till the end of the game, until you know, the middle of the season after uh, Burrow taking all those hits, and he was kind of uh, leaning too heavy on the run. And if he, you know, put it in Burrow's hands more, they'd have won that game. So, yeah, well, they can definitely um, sort of win some hearts and minds by coming out and performing. It is Steelers Week in Cincinnati right now. Week one is coming. It is game Sunday, one p.m. The Bengals opened up as six and a half point favorites, which, you know, lines are usually closer there on the uh, in week one. Do you think that sounds about right? You think they're going to cover? Are you asking my head or are you asking my heart? Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go with your head first. If you're asking my head, then yeah, six and a half is probably right. I mean, I, the Bengals are clearly the better team. The Steelers have Mitch Trubisky as quarterback, which <laughs> LOL. Great. Yeah, exactly. Great. He's one step better than Mason Rudolph, and they've got Kenny Baby Hands uh, picket behind them. I mean, Trubisky is still like three degrees better than you know Ben Roethlisberger doing his load of corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah, his audition for The Walking Dead. It, it was painful to watch him throw the ball downfield last year, but again, as someone who watched him decimate my team in college, and then watched him continually decimate the Bengals in the NFL. Cool. Happy, you know, happy, happy to see you struggle. Happy to see you hang on about a year or two too long. Yeah, sure. Well, I think one of the things that I'm going to be um, looking at the most, and I think most people will, is how is this revamped offensive line going to do against the Steelers? You know, probably their strong suit is their defensive line. How do you think some of these new guys are going to handle going against TJ Watt and Cam Hayward, arguably two of the best defensive players or at least defensive linemen in all of football? I think the main goal is if they can keep Hayward kind of in check, then they're fine. Burrow gets rid of the ball really fast. Uh, Watt was shut out 
in I'm thinking a sack against them last year. Um, so if they can keep the push, you know, just keep the pocket from Clapson immediately right in his face, he's going to have, you know, 2.2 seconds, get rid of the ball and find someone open. There's going to be holes in the defense. Um, their linebackers are terrible. Uh, they both were ranked in the bottom 10 of the league. Uh, Miles Jack uh, was in Jacksonville, you know, uh, part-time Jacksonville. And then uh, Devin Bush. I mean, they're, they're bad. They're bad at tackling. They're not very good at coverage. Uh, Which also not great qualities in linebackers. Yeah, you, you you need someone that can either tackle or cover, preferably both. But if you have neither, you kind of need to be getting another guy. Do you think? But you know, who am I? Yeah, um, I think that they have they have a really good chance to hold up against those two. I mean, one side of the line is going to have a whole lot of work to do. I think they're going to run the ball a lot to that other side. Yeah, and um, I think I think there are plenty of holes in that defense but let's flip it right around um you know Cincinnati's defensive front is going to probably have the 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 easiest week they're going to have all season I think Pittsburgh offensive line is one of the worst I've ever seen assembled I think it's worse than last year's somehow um yeah who's going to have a big day for the Cincinnati defensive line yes uh they spent a ton of money on the defense or on their offensive line uh and I Pick pick a guy who's going to have a big game. I mean, Henderson is definitely going to have a, a good game coming off the end. I could see BJ Hill, um, uh, maybe only maybe getting a sack, you know, but just getting a lot of pressure, a lot of push in uh, in Trubisky's face. Um, I think they're going to. I think the um, they're definitely going to try to run the ball a lot, uh, mm-hmm. just for that reason. I mean, they're um, um, not, uh, Najee Harris is you know, he's he's their big horse and even though he was hasn't been very good against the Bengals in his career. Uh, what, two games, 22 yards for 63 combined, or 22 carries for 63 combined yards. Uh, I still I still expect them to uh, try to lean heavily on him, especially with Deontay Johnson. It was limited in practice. Um, I haven't seen the actual injury report to say out, you know. Uh, I saw Coach Tay saying that he's, he's yeah, behind the scenes work and trying to get there, but, yeah, they've certainly – not yeah, not looking good to not looking good to be on the field. So that leaves George Pickens, which is they're in Pittsburgh claiming or they're already crowning him the uh, the rookie of the year, which is kind yeah, of funny. There. You're not going to have someone to throw you the ball, but um, and Mitch uh, Trubisky. Yeah, are you yeah. hating on Mitch Trubisky, the legend? Because I've seen him <laughs> play. That's why I'm hating oh, on Mitch yeah, Trubisky. That'll do it. <laughs> I looked at his stats. Although he made a Pro Bowl, he's got one more Pro Bowl than uh, uh, than Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. Take that! Wow, there's your stat. Yeah, t- t- that tells you what uh, how much Pro Bowl really means uh, uh, to those voting on him or those picking uh, replacements. So, um, yeah, I, I really think the Bengals' defense is going to have a is, is going to shut down their offense. Well, what do you think the 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 biggest keys for the Bengals to win this game are what, what do you think if these two or three things happen and the Bengals have put themselves in every possible good position to win this game? Uh, keep Haywood out of the back, uh, Haywood out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, that right there is number one. If they do that, I I, I think that's the key. Um, I mean, they, they can do things. They can run the ball at Watt. They can, you know, quick, quick passing game. I, I think they're going to be able to keep TJ Watt from ruining their game plan. It's uh, whether it's of Hayward, you know, flushes the pocket, forces him into Watt, you know. Um, I think if they can do that on offense, I think they're going to be set up. On defense, just play your game. Um, 
again, they're they've stopped. They've been fantastic against the run the last half of last season and through the playoffs. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't continue. Uh, mm-hmm. Harris is a really good running back, but again, they had two games against him and and, and they didn't. You know, he, he wasn't able to do anything, and their line is no better and possibly so even worse. So it's hard to see. He's a little, he's a little banged up too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's the one thing that's going to be interesting to see. The uh, Steelers played their starters in every game, and the Bengals starters, outside of Volson playing a little bit in you know playing part of the second uh, second preseason game, starters didn't see any any time at all. Yeah, it seems like the Bengals are just about as healthy as a team could ever hope to be yeah. going into Week One. Um, yeah. I think that there might be a little bit of rust that needs to be knocked off. So I think it's going to be a bit of a dogfight for at least the first half, if not a little bit into the into the third, because Pittsburgh starters have been playing. So they might be a little more, you know, quick off the ball. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't play football. I, I just watch it like a insane person. But I think that's them to be able to weather, weather that storm a little bit, get their sea legs, and really start finding their rhythm in the second half is going to be, be important. Like we talked about, there's going to be a lot of holes. I, I expect a pretty big game from – uh, Tyler Boyd, I think he's going to kind of be able to get to space just about whenever he wants to. So, you know, speaking generalities, I think that the offense needs to play pretty good. They should probably score more points than Pittsburgh's and, you know, tackle good. That's a good start. Yeah, um, it, it, it's going to be like a, just a major kind of clash of old school versus mm-hmm. more modern styles. I mean, the, the, this is the trend now that the uh, Bengals were kind of – at the forefront last year, starters don't play. Like you want them fresh. You don't want them banged up. You, you know, you, uh, you practice hard in the lead ups uh, going to the game, but you know, you want your guys as fresh as possible and the Steelers, you know, they play their starters. So it's, you know, it worked out well for the Bengals last year. It was the longest season ever. They played 21 games and almost won the Super Bowl. So it's, and, and, and they, they didn't look, I mean, they didn't look rusty against uh, um, Minnesota last year to start the season. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue this year as well. It might take, you know, one drive for the Bengals, you know, to get their feet wet and, and everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. I don't think there's a single person in that locker room that is, uh, you know, sending Zach Taylor text messages, letting them know that they wish they could have played the second preseason game. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the moment that it all comes down to, Joe. What is your prediction for week one? I- I have got the Bengals 27 to 13. Uh, I've got Hayden Hurst with a big game. We'll say seven catches, 87 yards, and two touchdowns against that soft interior of the uh, Steelers defense. People talk about how great Minka Fitzpatrick is. He's terrible. He, he was terrible in coverage last year. So uh, he was actually, uh, Edmonds was the better coverage safety that they have. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we talked about how bad their linebackers are. I think he's, I, I think they're, you know, with them rolling coverage, definitely over to Chase. Uh, they're going to try to keep Higgins from going over the top, you know, from on the other side. So middle of the field is going to be open for Boyd, as you said. And again, I think I think Hayden Hurst is going to feast. Yeah, I can 100% see that happening. I've got something similar. Um, I've got the Bengals winning 24-17. I do think the Steelers are going to keep it close for three quarters. Love them or hate them. They're a you know, well-coached team. I think the addition of Brian Flores to that coaching staff is going to, you know, really, really give them a boost. And I think that, you know, having some having a lot, a lot of experience there is going to help them. But as soon as the Bengals start clicking, they should be able to pull away, cover the spread, and yeah, big games from Boyd. And I think I think Joe Mixon's going to have a big game too. I'd be okay with that. 
Yeah, I think Joe Mixon might be. He's up there with Higgins to me. He's just an incredibly underrated player. Doesn't get doesn't get enough love. He he doesn't break the big one though. His career rushing career long rush is forty two yards, forty one yards. For someone with as big, as strong, and as fast as he is, you'd figure he'd have broken a 50, 60, 70 yarder. So what's gonna happen in maybe he's three doing, days. I'm, again, I'm 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 fine, you know, picking the wrong player for being the uh the key. I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um well dude, this is fun. I think we've just about covered any everything. Is there any anything else you want to say? Anything that you think is worth bringing up as we head into uh a pretty awesome matchup for week one. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's a very winnable game, but it also stresses where the Bengals, you know, are, are looking to have improved on. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a game they should win, and hopefully, you, you know, we'll, we'll be able to learn a fair amount about the rebuild offensive line. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, man. And I think we're going to have plenty to talk about after week one, and we will do that. We're going to try to come for – a quick episode after games, if not the day of the next day, with just our quick reactions and uh, and thoughts, and then with a weekly show that is going to be on Wednesdays as we get started. Like I said, get in the comments, let us know, you know, what works for y'all. We are going to try to, uh, you know, just continue to adapt and evolve in this thing as we go. I will leave you with my long shot parlay of the week, which is, you know, I don't really gamble very much, but I love to look at gambling. And my parlay for this week is Bengals to cover, T. Higgins and Joe Mixon both to score a touchdown, and Burrow with the under of 260.5 yards. You get plus 1,187 on that. So take it to the bank, and if you hit it and you speak of me, speak well. Joe, this is super fun, man. Thank you for just kind of carrying me for the last 40 minutes and uh, for continuing to do so for the next 17 weeks. I'm looking forward for week one of many, many of a deep, deep run into January, hopefully February. So I love it. Go Bengals. Who day. All right. Thanks everybody.